Sorry, I'm not this short. <clears throat> Good morning, church. Uh, my name is Albert Roldan. I'm a junior at Eagle Rock High School, and I've been a disciple for about three years now. Uh, and I'm so fired up for this opportunity to be able to preach to you guys this morning. Uh, so the three of us who are going to be preaching, our theme is uncomfortable. And this morning, I'm going to be talking about uncomfortable evangelism. And I called it that because, you know, you can probably relate to this, but have you ever tried reaching out to someone, you know, or even trying to talk to them, and they backlash at you, and you end up standing there like, uncomfortable? <laughs> you know? And there's a story of a character in the Bible that has a very uncomfortable and intense experience trying to share his faith with others. So please turn to Acts 14, 15 with me. Uh, keep in mind that at this time, Lystria, the city that they were in, was full of just Gentiles. And this is one of the first stories we see of disciples evangelizing two Gentiles who had no idea who or what the God of Israel is. So already that's an uncomfortable situation, right? Uh, it says, friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Then in verse 19, it says, Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got back up and went into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derbe. That's a crazy and incredible story, right? I mean, he was just sharing his faith to these people. And what happens? He gets stoned. Let me say that again. He gets stoned. Can you imagine being so hurt and so bloody and so broken that you're dragged out of a city because they thought you were dead? Like, I mean, that's insane. And while I haven't been stoned before, thank God, <laughs> but I have been persecuted for sharing my faith before. You know, it happened to me when I first became a disciple. You know, I was really pumped, full of the Holy Spirit, and just willing and ready to serve. You know, I wanted to save everyone at Eagle Rock and thought that everyone would just follow because of how God had changed my life. And so I decided to share my faith with a close friend I had since fifth grade. You know, to a freshman in high school, that's like a lifetime, right? You know, so we have a conversation, and the moment that I bring up faith and religion itself, she goes off. She starts attacking me. I mean, not physically, come on, but verbally. You know, with how we couldn't be friends anymore because of my religious beliefs. And that she said that as a Christian, I automatically became a hegemonistic, homophobic loser who needed a magical sky daddy to get me through my days. Those were her words. <laughs> and that hit me hard. You know, it hurt. But I, I kept my faith, you know, and I was really happy about that. You know, but living as a disciple... Uh, in a public school, rumors start to fly. And uh, after a while, the rumors started to fly that I was gay. Because I didn't date. Like, what? And, you know, being a young teen, I felt ashamed and judged. So I hid my faith, and I hid being a disciple, and just kept a distance from everyone, focusing on school and on sports. You know, that amazing scripture that we just read, and the story that I just told you, uh, remind me of a song by a Christian rapper. His name is Andy Minio. 
and the song is called Desperados. And in the Wild West, a desperado was a term for a criminal. And the premise of that whole song is that as a Christian living in a non-Christian world, we can be treated like criminals, right? And I have a quote to share from that song. It says, the way that they tell me to get out of town and they aim for the throat. This is what I felt like. They were attacking me, coming from my throat. And so I stopped reaching out, afraid to get hurt again. And it showed in my walk with God. Because after a while, my mentor, Kevin Kawhi, and I had a conversation. And I'll never forget what he said because of how simple he made it seem. He asked me, are you gay? No. Then he asked, are you a hegemonistic, homophobic loser? Again, no, with a little bit more conviction this time. And uh, then he said, then go back out there. And it blew my mind because it made so much sense. And that leads me to my only point, which is another quote from the song. (laughs) I ain't trying to be liked. I'm trying to be a light. I mean, this is the reason that Paul got back up. Because he realized that it should never, never be about us and how we feel and how these people feel about us as human beings. But it should be about bringing that good news to these people who don't have God. And the moment that we let our insecurities get in the way of sharing that good news, then we become uncomfortable. We become the situation. We need to be a light and reach out and evangelize. Let's turn to Matthew 28, verses 19, please. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything, everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. This is what Jesus calls his disciples to do. And if you are a follower of Jesus, this should be your mindset. This should be all of our mindsets. Amen? And never in this scripture does it say this is what the teens should do. This is for all walks of life, not just on school, not just on a campus, but in the singles, in the marrieds, in the older disciples' lives, in your casual encounters with neighbors picking up the mail. It's called the Great Commission, not the Great Request. Amen? You know, I didn't know the definition of a commission, so I searched it up, and it really inspired me. You know, it says, an instruction, command, or duty given to a person or group of people. You know, and as disciples, one of the most important things that we can do is share the good news. And God will continue to further his kingdom through us. We don't have to worry about that. But we have to become comfortable with being uncomfortable. And with that, I took this to heart, and I went back out there. I went back to Eagle York High School, which I didn't want to do. Uh, and it took a while, and it could for you too. But the one person that I constantly reached out to, we had only one class together. We shared a table for one lesson. But I kept reaching out, you know, 
getting up out of my seat, going over to him, talking to him. My teacher asking me, Albert, please sit back down. <coughs> a lot of times. Or, you know, basically getting ran over by students trying to leave the class just to talk to him. And that happened over and over and over over again. You know, and each time he had an excuse, you know, oh, I have an event. Oh, I'm not interested. Oh, you're weird. Please stop talking to me. You know, excuses. But one day he said to me, and I'll never forget, yeah, that sounds good. I'll be there. That's all I needed. It took seven months to get him to come to one teen devotional and he couldn't stop coming after that and another six of studying the bible with him but the whole time god was working through the situation because i chose to get uncomfortable with my evangelism and kept reaching out because i knew it wasn't about me it was about sharing that good news and in the end i got to baptize one of my closest friends maxwell aguirre He's been a disciple for almost seven months now. He's the one who gave you guys, what was that, communion? Right? The Welcome to the communion. Like, come on. You know? So, at, uh, as I'm wrapping up, I have a call to action for you guys. You know, a commission, not a request. That person that you reached out to before and was hurt by, reach out again. Because God might use you in an uncomfortable situation. Or that person that God's trying to get you to talk to just once. Talk to them. Because God might be using you in an uncomfortable situation. Get uncomfortable with your evangelism and let God work. Thank you, church. Please turn your Bible. <laughs> Please turn your Bibles over to Acts chapter 9. And while you're turning, my name is Angel Munoz. I am a senior in high school and a 17 years old. And on May 21st, I'm going to be one year as a disciple. Today, I want to talk to you about uncomfortable change. But before we continue, let's find out what change means. But you can tell me, isn't that the, like the easiest word to define? But true, but to understand what uncomfortable change really is, we have to define what change really means. And according to the dictionary, to give you guys an accurate definition, uh, change means to make or become different. But what about in spiritual terms? What about that inside of you that you need to change? Well, it means to transform or convert. Now, how does that apply to the church? Well, we have to be used to change because God is transforming us every day to become more like Jesus. So we have to, and ironically, we have to get comfortable with change. But the reality is that change is uncomfortable. Change is hard, but change is needed in our lives. There is one man in the Bible whose transformation is inspired today, and we can learn from his example. A little background on the scripture I ask you to turn over to. God's church is being persecuted at this point in time. Anyone who believed in Jesus is being hunted down 
to be killed. The man behind all this is Saul. And in Acts chapter 9, 1, verse 1, Meanwhile, Saul was be whoa, my bad. Meanwhile, Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now, Saul was literally on a mission to erase the church from existence. Who asked for letters to go after disciples? Like, what kind of hobby is that? He wanted nothing to do with Jesus, like, at all. This guy was determination was, like, on another level. And I reached to my first point. Let God change you. Something curious about Saul. He didn't know what he was doing was wrong. Saul literally needed Jesus to come and tell him, hey, man, why are you doing this? Like, this is not cool, you know? Sometimes the things that we do show a bad image about us and even hurt other people without us realizing it. Yet it will not be obvious to us because obviously we don't see it. However, other people will notice it. We all have things in our lives that can cause us to not change. It could be sin, in addition to something, daily struggles. Maybe those things are keeping us away even from God. We can go against him and think we are correct and he is wrong. If we have this heart, there is no room for God to change us. And we won't allow him to. If there is no room for God, there is definitely no room for others to tell you what to change. A little story about me. When I was in 10th grade, I didn't care about much about God. I heard my parents a lot because I would tell them that I didn't want to be involved in anything related to the church. The only reason I came to church was because it was required. I let my heart turn hard and would reject anything about God. Until around teen camp of 2016, uh, which is a church event, I started paying attention to my character. And who I was becoming is something that I don't even want to describe right now. I began seeking for advice, and thankfully God put me to the people who he thought I needed. And something changed in me that year. I started to see the need of God in my life. I realized that I needed to change my habits, who I was becoming. So I started to open more to, relati to relationships in the church and opening up more about myself. And eventually I started studying the Bible. And after attending a teen event known as Winter Formal, um, I felt a joy I had never experienced in my life. I thought I had a family outside of my own. Change is a necessary thing, church, especially if it comes from God. We needed to improve our lives our relationships, and even our walk with God. It is uncomfortable to go through change and even worse, recognize it. Overcoming a change in an area of our life is very uncomfortable, but it will make you a better person. Which brings me to my second point. Let God use you. In the same chapter, head over to verse 10. And in Damascus, it reads, in Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. Lord called him in a vision, Ananias, Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judah on State Street, Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In the vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hand and on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all that harm he has done to your family in Jerusalem. 
And he has come here with authority from the priest, chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and the kings and to the people of Israel. Let us focus on Ananias for a second. The job he was given was like, you're crazy if you're going to do it. I'm more than sure Ananias didn't want to be used to help Saul. That name for a disciple was like a bad word. Like, come on. Yet God did not accept a no from him. Why? Because he knew that Saul would change. He also knew that Ananias would be a right person to help him change. What kind of person can you be, church? An Ananias or a Saul? A person who needs change or a person who can help someone change? Whichever you identify with, God will put us in situations where we will grow. I'm sure Saul was never expecting to be used by God ever in his life. Yet, he gave a turn. Alone the fact that he is praying after all that that he did gives us a reason that Saul wanted a change in his life. It must have been very uncomfortable going from the biggest disciple hater, like this guy was killing people, to preaching the word about God. Like, imagine that. You go from, like, saying bad things about disciples, and then, like, you're over here preaching. Have you ever met a hater? Person, like, is always talking crap about other people. And then he goes to that person, and he's, like, all nice to them. That's what Saul was, you know. And he realized that the convictions that he had were wrong. And that God would be able to do more with him with his power that he had. Imagine what God, if we allowed him to change us, can do in our families. Imagine what he can do to our, the marriages in the church, in the communities, in the world. To wrap up things, what is that thing that God wants you to change in you? What do you need to open up about? Do you need an Ananias in your life? Change will only occur if you are open to it and are willing to accept it. Maybe you have no idea what you need to change because you don't see it. Maybe you don't have people whom you can open up with. Here's a practical. Find people who you value and trust, not those best friends you guys say, like, oh, she didn't tell me the right thing, you know? Tell, tell you what the real hard, cold facts that you need to change. You don't have those people? Open up. Find them. We all have things in our life that we need to change. Issues in our lives that only we know we have to fix. It is for a reason you are here. God is calling you. Change is uncomfortable, but it's necessary in our lives. Thank you, and happy Mother's Day. Sorry, I was fighting off those last demons. Get ready for this. All right. Well, good morning, church. Oh, I said good morning, church. Good morning. All right, let's go. My name is Dallas Kawhi. I'm 17 years old, and I've been a disciple for almost three years now. And in three and a half weeks, I'll be graduating from Crescent Valley High School. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Well, I'm the final speaker for today. And I hope that my message, like the early ones from Angel and Albert, really make you take a step back and examine your heart, your faith, and your life. And no matter where you're at with your walk with God, and no matter how long you've been a disciple, I just really pray that this lesson hits you hard. Amen? Amen. All right. The title of my lesson today is Uncomfortable Surrender. Uncomfortable Surrender. 
Now, I'll just start by asking a question. What does surrender mean to you? Like, when you think of surrender, what comes to mind? Um, Rodney, where are you at? Rodney, what does surrender mean to you? Good. Anything I, everything I have and everything I have, bow on your knees. Great. Mrs. Callahan, is that you in the back right there? Yes. No, right, right there, I see you. Yeah, awesome, great. Letting go, being able to correction. Sorry, I'm only taking two answers. I know, I know, we're all hyped. I know, we won't be involved right now. It's okay. Um, but so we're all familiar with the concept of surrender. Like when the Axis powers surrendered to the Allies in 1945, ending World War II, or when the Galactic Empire surrendered to the Rebel Alliance and returned the Jedi, whatever you're into. And when you take it a step further, the idea of surrender isn't something we typically associate with success, is it? I mean, doesn't surrender mean you lost, that you were defeated, that you were beaten, or you gave up? Those are not things that we strive for, aspire to, or try to achieve. Let's turn our Bibles over to Luke chapter 18. We're going to read a parable about a man who wasn't quite ready to surrender. Verse 18, it reads, Um, A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I've kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Now, the rich young ruler wanted to follow Jesus, but didn't want to surrender everything he had. I mean, he was willing to give God a lot, actually, but just not everything. He drew a line in his life saying, this much and no more. My first point is, surrender is uncomfortable because of our need for constant control. Our need for constant control. Because aren't we all, like the rich young ruler sometimes, haven't we all at one time or another had something that we weren't willing to give up to God? Something that we weren't willing to surrender? Maybe it's a relationship that's sexually impure. Or maybe it's resentment towards someone, a friend or a family member. Perhaps it's an addiction to drugs or pornography. Or maybe it's just surrendering to God's will for our lives. When things don't turn out the way we wanted. Because we want the blessings of God. We want the salvation with God. But without the surrender. Maybe you weren't that way when you first got baptized. But slowly, over time, you become more like the rich young ruler than you realized. Starting to take back parts of your life. Take back some of that control that you had given over to Jesus. Because you gave it all to Jesus at baptism. But then... All turned to most, and then most turned to half, and now half could be at some, and maybe even some has not turned to none. In the last three years of high school as a disciple, I've had many highs and many lows. There were many times when I was surrendered and I trusted God. 
But there are also many times that I felt I needed to take back control of my life and rely on myself. Because I felt that God had let me down. And that somehow God's plan fell short of what I wanted. My dream was to play Division I college soccer. And things seemed to be lining up for me to do that. But right now, as of today, it's not in God's plan. There was a path that I could clearly see to an ideal future. Everything that I could have hoped and dreamed for was laying out for me, and all the pieces were falling into place. But to make a long story short, God said no. And my heart broke. Did I do something wrong, God? Was I a bad Christian? Why is this happening to me? Why? Can anyone else relate to these kind of things, these kind of questions? Because I know I can. Because some days it's still hard to remain surrendered to God and really trust that he has a good plan for me. And hopefully he brings peace to my heart. Because you see, church, we all have a problem. Maintaining control is our second nature. Our culture rejects the idea of surrender because it makes us look weak. And does anyone in this room right now want to look weak? No, right? However, when we don't surrender everything to God, we just show how little faith we really have in God, including me. When our faith in God is weak and and we let our drive for control override our faith in God, we leave our relationship with God in the wake of our selfishness and fear. This leads me to my second point. Surrender is not uncomfortable when we let go and let God. When we let go and let God. Church, letting go and letting God is the answer to our need for constant control. I want to share a story with you guys. You guys still with me? All right. So there was a man who was climbing a mountain, lost his footing, and began to slide towards the edge of a cliff. Just as he went over the edge, he grabbed a small bush and held on for dear life, dangling over empty space. The bush's root system was starting to pull loose from its weak hold on the rocky soil. The man began yelling at the top of his lungs, help, help, is anyone up there who can help me? A voice answered, yes, I can help you. Intensely relieved, the man offered the the answer, who is it, he asked, sorry. Um, The answer came back, I'm the Lord. The man offered his praises and gratitude to God. And he asked, God, what do you want me to do now? The answer came back, let go of the bush. After a long period of silence, the man yelled, is anyone else up there? So how about you, church? What bushes are you not willing to let go and let God catch you? Let's return to the story of the rich young ruler in Luke 18 and point out something that we need to understand. In verse 19, it reads, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. No one is good except God alone. Church, this is the main reason why we need to let go and let God. To say that God is good means that God always acts in accordance to what is right true, and good. Goodness is a part of God's nature, and he cannot contradict his own nature. 
God is the standard for what all that is good. His intentions and motivations are always good. He always does what is right. And the outcome of his plan is always good. Weren't ready for that. So when life is hard, God is good. When God hasn't answered your prayers, God is good. Teens, when you feel like no one in the world understands you, including your friends and family, God is good. Campus, where you at? Campus, when you don't get the grade that you wanted in that class and it really affected you, God is good. Singles. Forgive me for this. But when you feel like you'll never find the soulmate that God has put out for you and you'll never get married, God is good. Marrieds. When your relationship when your relationship and your marriage is going through a rough patch, like all marriages do. God is good. God is good. Church. Say it with me. Say it with me. God is good. Amen. So church, I hope that after hearing what the three of us up here had to say today about being uncomfortable, that you can take to heart what Albert had to say about uncomfortable evangelism and how we all need to be a light in the world even in the face of persecution. Or when Angel talked about uncomfortable change and how we need to let God change our character so he can use us to do great things. And for me, about uncomfortable surrender and how we need to let go and let God because God is good. Say with me one more final time. God is good. Amen, church.